Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What? more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator is reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. He said, she said can make any case difficult. What happens when there is a case with conflicting physical evidence and two men involved who both have very different stories? Between December 23rd and 24th, 1980, a woman was attacked inside of her home and murdered by two men that she knew. And though they were brought to trial for the crime, it's difficult to determine what actually happened that night. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Annie Orr, an 86-year-old widow living alone, was fast asleep in her Montevallo, Alabama home on the evening of December 23, 1980. The holidays were just a few days away, and I can imagine she closed her eyes for the night, peacefully anticipating time with her family. Instead, she was woken up by a blow to her body with a blunt object. Two men had broken into her house and repeatedly raped beat and suffocated her to death as December 23rd became Christmas Eve. She was left with a pillowcase taped around her head, the tape ultimately leading to her slow asphyxiation. The two assailants left the woman to die as they grabbed any money and valuables that they could find. Since she lived through the rape and assault, they could hear the elderly woman, a woman they knew, begging for them to take whatever they wanted in exchange for her life. She pleaded with them until she took her last breath. When police found the crime scene, they also found a trail of playing cards that led straight to the home of 18-year-old Victor Kennedy, 
a petty criminal who did odd jobs for Annie Orr. He and his accomplice, a 19-year-old boy named Daryl Grayson, were arrested and brought in for questioning. Daryl, drunk, claimed he could not remember anything after starting his drinking session at around 5 p.m. on the 23rd. He waived his right to a lawyer and eventually admitted that he and Victor decided to break into Annie's home after doing some odd jobs from her and seeing the contents of her home. Now, here is where we get two very different stories. According to Daryl, he and Victor spent the day drinking before going into Annie's house on Victor's suggestion that he had been planning the robbery for a few weeks and needed some money for Christmas, that he grabbed a gun and led Daryl into Annie's bedroom, that it was Victor who grasped Annie's throat as she slept and encouraged Daryl to take turns raping her before hitting her in the head with his fist, holding her down and instructing Daryl to wrap the tape and pillowcase around her head. That all of the most brutal details of the crime were committed solely by Victor and that while raping her, he knew he wanted to leave the house. And of course that he was too drunk to really remember all of the details. According to Victor, he accompanied Daryl Grayson to Annie's home so he could get some Christmas cash. That he was walking through the house looking for some money when he saw Daryl raping Annie. That he had been there during the attack, but was not in the room, nor had he participated in putting the pillowcase on Annie's head that ultimately led to her death. Unfortunately, aside from the men's statements, the case against them was largely circumstantial. The hair found on her body did belong to a black male, And while both men were black, forensics could not determine that the hairs belonged to either man. Analysis on the semen found was connected to Victor, but they did say that there was too much present to come from one ejaculation. Some did come from Daryl, but with the men telling different stories, it was difficult to determine who bore the responsibility for the crime. There were also ballistics arguments about the caliber of gun used to shoot a hole in Annie Orr's wall and if it matched the gun Victor Kennedy had brought with him that night. Daryl Grayson was tried before an all-white jury with a lawyer who usually handled divorces and had never tried a capital case before. In the witness stand, he once again confessed to the crime but insisted that he was drunk at the time and did not recall the complete series of events. An expert testified that the bloodstains found on his shirt, one that was recovered from the woods nearby his house, was the same blood type as Annie Orr and Victor Kennedy. He was type B, and another expert testified that a large bloodstain and semen stain found at the scene belonged to Daryl Grayson. He was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death, as was Victor Kennedy. But an anti-death penalty group pleaded for clemency for Victor, raising questions of racial unfairness. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court refused to hear his case. In 1994, a federal judge granted him a new trial based on the claim that the prosecution failed to turn over two of Daryl's statements to Victor's attorneys during the trial. But even that was overruled in 1995. For 20 years, the men stood by their differing stories. Then, in 1999, Daryl Grayson was taken from his cell and walked into the captain's office, where he was greeted by a preacher who told him that Victor sent him asking for forgiveness. When he asked for what, he said it wasn't important, but that Victor had asked that he forgive him. Victor Kennedy was executed in the electric chair on August 6, 1999, at 37 years old. Just before he took his last breath, the man who was just 18 years old when he committed murder 
told the Orr family that he was sorry. A few years later, an activist named Esther Brown began looking into the case. According to a source, Daryl Grayson could not have killed Annie Orr because he was passed out somewhere else when the crime was committed. She reached out to the Innocence Project and worked to see if DNA found at the scene matched Daryl Grayson. If they could prove that the sperm found at the scene didn't match Daryl's, then the main argument that earned his conviction would become null and void. The sperm and its proof of her rape was the main aspect tying him to the crime, meaning the only thing that placed him in Annie's home at the time of her murder was his alcohol-influenced confession. And as we know, false confessions, especially in cases that involve race, can be quite common. As Daryl's execution date approached, a number of groups worked to try and stay his execution and to get the proper DNA testing done. The Innocence Project offered to pay for a test that could have results in 30 days, just two hours before his execution. But they were denied when officials said that DNA testing could not change the outcome. That Daryl was convicted of burglary and murder, not rape. That testing the DNA could have successfully proven that he did not rape Annie Orr, but did nothing to disprove that he was there that night and was partially responsible for her murder. Daryl Grayson was executed on July 26, 2007, thus ending the 27-year battle for justice. Were Daryl and Victor victims of the disproportionate sentencing of Black men, or were they adequately sentenced for the heinous crimes they committed? The case is still one that is debated amongst those living in Alabama. It is worth noting, though, that of Alabama's 200 or so death row inmates, almost half of them are Black, despite the fact that Black individuals make up only a quarter of Alabama's population. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 24th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.